This is the Timepieces History Podcast, brought to you by Gudrun Lorette, the expert in using modern marketing methods for the traditional heritage sector. Each bite-sized show shares the story of a place, person or object from the past in around 10 minutes. And now, here's today's show. Hello and welcome to the Timepieces History Podcast. Today we're looking at gladiators, but unfortunately not the Russell Crowe kind. Sorry. I'd love to know what you think of these episodes, so please come and find me on Twitter, at GoodringLorette, or leave a comment on your audio player of choice. Alternatively, you can pop a message onto the relevant podcast page over at goodringlorette.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find the show notes, useful links, and an episode transcript. No email required to access that. Gladiators were, in the main, professional fighters, and started out as performers at funeral games, which were held to honour deceased soldiers. Caesar decided to make this a form of entertainment for the general public, and Augustus, his successor, had 10,000 men under his control. In the early days, if there weren't enough professionals on hand, criminals and hostages were dragged off to the arenas. However, there was a shift by the 1st century AD, when free men actually signed up voluntarily to be gladiators. Some were former soldiers, but others were senators or members of the upper classes. Gladiators were split into three groups. The Samnite and the Mamillo used short swords, known as gladius, hence the name, and had shields and helmets with visors for protection. The Thracians were equipped with a shield and a scimitar, while the Rotarius went into the ring with little more than a trident and a net, suggesting they were better prepared for a fishing trip than a fight. These names represented the enemies of Rome, both the Samnites and the Thracians had resisted the empire. The Samnite group was later renamed Secutor, and Mimilla was the name given to the group that represented the Gauls. Gladiators lived and trained at the special gladiator schools where they were taught by former fighters who each specialised in one style of weaponry. The schools had their own practice spaces and would have been within easy walking distance of the professional arenas. The remains of a school found outside of Vienna, Austria, is believed to be similar in design to those of Rome and shows two-man rooms which were effectively cells. There were also baths, hospital wings and the dining room. Examination of bodies found in nearby graveyards suggests that they ate a mostly vegetarian diet. They didn't always have to fight each other to entertain the crowds. In AD 105, Emperor Trajan sent 50,000 Dacian Romanian, captives back to Rome and had the gladiators slaughter them in their circuses. The gladiators themselves were rarely killed, unless it was unavoidable, although they might die by accident. The expense of training and housing them meant that their overseers would prefer to keep them alive, rather than incur costs for replacing them. As such, referees would ensure that they weren't fatally wounded, or intervene when a match dragged on too long and started to bore the crowds. They also didn't fight animals. Games often opened with hunts, though, and most of the animals were killed. Over the 100-day event to mark the opening of the Colosseum, 9,000 creatures died. Warriors specially trained in fighting animals, known as bestiari or venatores, would go up against ostriches, lions, elephants and crocodiles. The animals sometimes fought each other, or packs of bears, lions and dogs would rip apart Christians and convicted criminals who were thrown into the ring with them. For light relief, sometimes the animals just did tricks. Women could be gladiators too, although these were usually slaves who had been found guilty of crimes, rather than volunteers. Domitian particularly enjoyed making women fight dwarves, although they also participated in the animal hunts. Romans found the idea of female fighters ridiculous, although they would have trained just as hard as their male counterparts. Like most things in ancient Rome, the gladiator games had a particular structure that had to be followed. 
They were advertised well in advance with the date, who was fighting, the purpose of the event and the host, editor, all being listed. The adverts included information for the audience too, such as what refreshments were available, the other types of entertainment on the day and if there would be sunshades provided. The night before the game, or Munis, the gladiators sat down together for a last meal and had the opportunity to put their affairs in order, just in case they didn't come back. On the day itself, there would be a parade to the arena which featured trumpeters, the man in charge and the participants. The animal hunts happened first and then there were the executions of criminals and others who had annoyed the senators or the emperor. Spectators could look forward to between 10 and 13 matches between the gladiators, with each lasting no longer than 20 minutes. The combatants had to follow the rules of the fight, but also to be entertaining as possible. When one gladiator overcame another, the match was over and he was declared victor, although either participant could ask for the referee to stop the fight. In the main, the losing warrior was spared death, Missio, although on occasion the editor declined to grant it. In those cases, the loser was killed by his opponent and expected to die with dignity. The bodies of criminals and other victims were thrown into the river, but the gladiators were taken back to the morgue for burial rites. If he was a member of the Collegia, or Union, his funeral costs would be covered and compensation paid to his family. If not, his colleagues covered the expenses themselves. Emperors too dabbled in gladiator games, including Hadrian, Caligula and Titus. The Emperor Commodus loved to get involved and participated in several stage fights. He and his opponent used wooden swords and he almost always won. Commodus also joined in with some of the animal events. He was once equipped with a special dart, which enabled him to decapitate an ostrich as it ran in front of him. And at another event, he stood on a platform and shot 100 lines, presumably with arrows. Depending on their status, gladiators were often able to retire as free men, and if they didn't decide to train those coming after them, they did work as personal trainers to others. Groups of retired gladiators were popular as bodyguards. Mark Antony had a retinue of them for his own protection. Of course, there's little guarantee that they'd live long enough to get to retirement, while the objective of a, of a battle wasn't for them to die, many did die during their first match, and most didn't survive more than 10 events. They usually participated in three per year, so they'd get about three years in the job. Thank you so much for listening. Please tune in next time and let me know what you thought of today's episode. Thank you for listening to the Time Pieces History Podcast. Don't forget to listen next time for more quick history facts.